brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network, hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas, and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Check. Sports Check. It's Sports Check. Welcome to episode 317 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You know, when we had the 312, we did Chicago. When we had the 313, we did Detroit. I feel like episode 317, we do Indianapolis. And to me, the greatest athlete to come through the city of Indianapolis, one who was born and raised there, I should say. Well, he wasn't born there, but he was raised there. The big O, Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson, prior to Russell Westbrook, was the only player in NBA history to average a triple-double in a season. He led Crispus Attucks to back-to-back state titles in the state of Indiana, the first time an all-black high school anywhere in the nation won a state championship. Then he went to the University of Cincinnati. He was so good there that the National Basketball Writers Association has renamed its College Basketball Player of the Year Award the Oscar Robertson Award. And then he went in the NBA, like I said, averaged a triple-double, 12-time NBA All-Star, led the Milwaukee Bucks to their only NBA title. He's the big O. He's Oscar Robertson. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sportsiac. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, let's get to the first headline of the day. I'm sure it will be the glue that holds this whole yak together. I mean, finding the truth is like a needle in the haystack. But enough horsing around, Chuck. Bob Baffert has had problems before in the sport of horse racing with overdoping his horses. It used to be that Lasix was the drug of choice. Instead, now it seems like he's gone with... Betamethasone, which is kind of a a steroid that's used to subdue pain in horses. And his winning horse in the Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, who went off at 12 to 1 odds, but has always been a horse that has been a great front runner, has never been caught from behind. Well, maybe we know why that is now. Because Medina Spirit failed its drug test at the Kentucky Derby. And you might say, well, wait a minute. The Kentucky Derby was a week ago. Why are we just finding this out 
Now, because it takes about a week for these tests to go through now for horses. So Medina Spirit fails the drug test. Now, of course, it can be appealed, and Baffert claims that he's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. He doesn't know how the horse got this. I've been framed. Whatever. They'll appeal it. And if the appeal is denied, then there will be a new Kentucky Derby winner. You might say, has this ever happened before the Derby? Yes, it did. Back in 1968, there was a horse called Dancer's Image that was disqualified when there was too much of a certain drug. I believe that was phenobutazone that was found in its system. So this is not unprecedented, but it is certainly rare. And when you've got a guy like Baffert, who I think we've made the comparison before, is kind of the Bill Belichick of trainers, well, they they also share something else in common in that people think Bill Belichick cheats and they think Bob Baffert cheats. And this is certainly a black eye for Baffert. It's a black eye for the sport. Typically, when these things are discovered, it's not at a triple crown race. So you don't hear as much about it. But this being the Kentucky Derby, which is the preeminent horse race in the sport, and now having its winner questioned. And one of the questions that came up in my house yesterday when this news broke was, well, what about the people who bet on the Derby? What's going to happen with them? Sadly, the people that bought bet on the second-place horse aren't going to get first-place winnings. And the people who got the first-place horse because it was deemed official shortly after the race, before the drug tests go through, they'll get their payout and they'll stay at home and enjoy their winnings. But who's the second place horse? Did you say uh, Mandaloon? I believe that that could be the Kentucky Derby winner if this all plays out. Right. Wow. And part of the reason, and then you get the winnings too. Well, yeah. Now, from that standpoint, yes, the. The owner's prize, the trainer's prize, the jockey's prize would all have to be forfeited. And Mandaloon would, owner, trainer, jockey, would get the winnings from the Derby. But more than that, so you go into this weekend, which is the second jewel of the Triple Crown, the Preakness, out in Baltimore. And there's going to be all these questions swirling about. Instead of wondering, well, could we have a Triple Crown winner this year? It would even be wondering, well, which of these horses might be the Triple Crown winner? Would it be Medina Spirit or Mandaloon? So it's just, it's terrible anytime in any sport when people cheat, okay? And the fact of the matter is, Baffert, even though he denies any wrongdoing, has been tied with this before, and it looks like he's done it again. What about Hot Rod Charlie? And again, Hot Rod Charlie is really the big victim in this. <laughs> he is. Yes. Maybe he'll he'll pop up in the headlines again this next weekend. But it, it's just, it's bizarre because you, you think in horse racing, it's enough of a gamble, literally, when you're betting on a horse and then to have these kind of shenanigans going on behind the scenes. And it really tarnishes Baffert's image because 
He's the only seven-time Derby winning trainer. Well, how many of those, now you think, how many of those horses were legit? Mm-hmm. So, yep. It, it's interesting. We Clearly, we this is not a subject we talk a lot about on this show. I told Corey this morning in our radio program, if you would have asked me Friday, well, what's your lead story going to be on Monday? I certainly would not have said horse racing. Yeah, from a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's keep an eye on how that all unfolds. Oh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get more details as time goes by. Rory McIlroy is in the news, which is also another name that I didn't expect to be talking about today, mainly because he has not been a factor on the PGA Tour in about a year and a half. Wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. It's been 18 months since he won his last tournament. He almost didn't play this weekend at the Wells Fargo Championship in Charlotte, North Carolina, because he was having all kinds of neck stiffness going into Thursday's first round. But he had a late tee time on his first round, so he went ahead, got a massage, got some treatment, felt good enough to go. And boy, did he play well. He winds up getting a one-stroke win, his first PGA Tour victory in 18 months. Now, McElroy's had a pretty good career. Uh, This is his 19th PGA Championship title, so that means, you know, we don't have to hold a telethon for him. He's doing okay. But the fact that he is able to put himself back in the winner's circle, especially when playing with a a decent amount of pain over the weekend, shows that maybe he's back. Maybe he's ready to make a run and, and show some of the old form that he had before when he was considered one of the great young guns in the sport. Do you watch any of the Peacock streaming? I have not. They'll sneak a Peacock commercial in their commercials, and uh, he's kind of the face of the golf aspect of the streaming he does a little bit of uh you know here's how you do the green i've I've noticed that the last couple of weeks we've been watching a show well he's one of the more recognizable names on tour yeah i mean you say tiger you say phil you say rory i mean the problem right now in golf is that with tiger on the sidelines they don't have that mega star that can carry the day and a lot of people were hoping rory would rise to that a uh, good-looking guy out of Ireland, you know, so he's got that nice little accent, would have some international appeal, but it just it has not happened. So maybe he can make a comeback. It's certainly a good start to it with the win at the Wells Fargo over the weekend. But let's get to baseball because the White Sox are playing really good ball right now, Corey. They had a terrific weekend in Kansas City. They have won now 10 straight at Kauffman Stadium. They sweep the Royals in a three-game set over the weekend. They find themselves now in first place, a game ahead of the Cleveland Indians in the American League Central. And they continue to get terrific play, not out of the, not only out of the reigning MVP, Jose Abreu, who had three RBI yesterday, but out of this kid named Yermin Mercedes. Yermin Mercedes is hitting three seventy-three for the season and he had three rbi yesterday and believe it or not yesterday and he's hitting as i said 373 he kind of got himself out of a little bit of a slump he'd actually been hitting a lot of flyouts and fly balls lately and tony larusa and the hitting coach had been working with him to just shorten up his swing a little bit he 
Larusa said his swing had gotten what they call big, and I think if you look at a, at a ball player's swing, um, and and the guy that I think of when I think of a big swing is Todd Frazier, who was playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend, and they showed kind of how he really kind of extends through the zone and it's a big looping swing, but sometimes that'll lead itself to a lot of flyouts and fly balls. Mercedes is more of a line drive hitter when he's on his game. And, man, he kept his hands short to the ball over the weekend, just drove that thing, a couple of big hits yesterday. And the White Sox win three in a row over the Royals, one of their prime competitors in the AL Central, and take over first place in that division. Do you think the mind gets ahead of these players when, I think you mentioned a couple episodes ago how we are in a season of home runs, home runs, home runs. Everybody got to get a home run. So if this young guy is seeing everybody's hitting home runs, does that affect a swing all of a sudden? I think it can. I, I think you'll see one of the things that you see from ballplayers is those ballplayers who perform in the home run derby over the all-star break yeah. typically don't hit well in the second half of the season because they have geared themselves to the home run swing. But I heard some conversation about this over the weekend, and a lot of it involved Chris Bryant of the of the Cubs. And one of the reasons that he is regaining MVP-like form mm-hmm. and putting up the numbers that he's putting up is instead of worrying about this launch angle, you've heard this term launch angle a lot in baseball lately. Yes. Where you want to be swinging up on the ball because you want to be trying to hit the ball in the air and generate home runs. He's kind of gone back to old school hitting which is you hit line drives. And if you're strong enough, those line drives will have enough backspin on them that they'll create that upward movement, and you'll get home runs that way. But hitting line drives and making contact and driving the ball into the gaps, and if you hit enough line drives, the way the game plays out is you should hit for average pretty well, and you'll get your share of home runs. And that's one of the things Mercedes had hit a few home runs, and I think maybe he he did get into that a little bit where he was trying to hit the ball too far, and that tends to make your swing bigger as well. Who's leading the Cubs right now with home runs this season? Well, Bryant leads them in home runs, uh, but Javi leads them in RBI. Now, the problem for the Cubs right now, as they lose to the Pirates yesterday 6-5, and you might say, problem, they you know they had a five-game winning streak going into that. Here's the problem for the Cubs. They're banged up. So Baez has a stiff back. Arietta's on the 10-day DL. Nico Horner's on the 10-day DL. Austin Romine's on the 60-day DL. Now, yesterday, Marisnik appears to pull a hamstring. He's likely to be going on the DL. What was he playing? Where was he at? Center field. Oh, okay. Which is why Chris Bryant has not played third base since April 20th because he's been covering all kinds of outfield positions for the Cubs, even filled in at first base for a game for Rizzo so he could catch a break. And David Ross really has kind of a patchwork quilt of a lineup right now. He's gotten some incredible play out of this guy, Matt Duffy, who's been playing third base while Bryant's been patrolling the outfield. And Duffy had the game-winning pinch hit on Saturday in a 3-2 triumph over the Pirates. But again, what has made Matt Duffy so successful? He's more of a contact hitter. He has one of the best contact rates in the National League. So those of us who have been 
decrying the number of strikeouts in Major League Baseball and why there have been so many home run balls, but it seems mm-hmm. like it's either home run, walk, or strikeout in baseball. Love to see guys like Duffy have success because it just proves the guys who are contact hitters who get base hits can make things happen in games. Follow-up question. You said Rizzo had like the night off, so Bryant's on first base. When that happens, does Coach give him literally the night off? Like you can stay home or are you still expected to be on the sideline, to be in the dugout, uniform? You're still there. In fact, you might be able to be used as a pinch hitter. Remember, they only have a 25-man roster. And of those 25 on the roster, or I guess it's 26 this year, but of those 26 on the roster, 13 are typically position players. Well, if eight are in the field, that only gives you five guys on the bench. You can't afford... You're not saying, hey, Anthony, why don't you go home and binge watch some Netflix? You still need him on the bench as a viable left-handed hitting power threat late in the game if they bring in a right-handed reliever. Okay. The Tigers were mercifully rained out yesterday. (laughs) So they did not have to lose in front of their mothers on Mother's Day. South Bend Cubs, too. South Bend Cubs were rained out. They started the year well, won the first two. They're on a three-game losing streak right now, so they go two and three in the series against Quad Cities, and now they'll hit the road for the next six. And we'll see how Michael Ryan's team is able to do. You want to get into the NBA? Well, the Bulls uh, finally got a win yesterday, and it helped that they were playing the Pistons 108-96. Nominally, the Bulls are mathematically alive to still get into this play-in tournament. They are two and a half games behind the Indiana Pacers who continue their collapse in the NBA's Eastern Conference. As you take a look at that, though, the Bulls' schedule this week, they've got two with the Brooklyn Nets, one with the Raptors, who aren't that good, and another one with the Milwaukee Bucks. So in three out of the four games this week, the Bulls are going to be an underdog. I just don't see them able to make up that two-and-a-half-game margin. Yes, they look good last night. Remember, they're playing the Pistons. The Pistons don't have anybody healthy right now. They're playing a bunch of rookies. So, yeah, the, the Bulls should be beating a team like that. But can they beat the big dogs in the East to get themselves back in the playoff hunt? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think when the playoffs start, The Pacers will be the 10th seed in the East. They'll get into that little play-in tournament. They'll probably lose in the first game and be out. But even if they make the playoffs, as we've said now for months on this show, they're not beating the big dogs in the East in a series. It's not going to happen. So it's going to be another one of those years where fans in the Midwest here are sitting around watching other teams play in the NBA playoffs. Dad, when I see the Milwaukee Bucks, who do you think the greatest player is? Player comes to mind. Glenn Robinson. Who? (laughs) I pulled that one out of my... uh... And actually, I would say the guy that we started the show with today, Oscar Robertson. Yeah. Others would say a fellow by the name of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. With the Bucks? Yeah. Okay. So... (laughs) Now, I will I will say this, your guy Antetokounmpo, he's pretty good too, but until he wins a title with the Bucks, he can't be the greatest. He can't be in there. Okay. 
Hockey, the Blackhawks season ends tonight. They will not make the playoffs. Neither did the Red Wings. So we could go back and review that Sportjack episode, which I think we accurately predicted this, uh, that the Blackhawks were not making the playoffs this year. Alex DeBrinkett had a pair of goals last night. He's been good. 31 goals last night, or 31 goals this year, I should say. Two goals last night. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, between the pipes, hasn't been too bad. Uh, Thanks, Mayor Lightfoot, for finally letting Blackhawk fans back into the United Center for the last two games of the season. When a player is done and they're not doing the playoffs, how much time do they have off before it's time to get ready for the next season? Probably a couple of months. A couple of months. A couple of months to to rehab and rest and relax. And then you're you're probably starting to make sure you get yourself back in shape because uh, training camp usually for hockey right around September. September. And then the season typically starts in October. Now it was pushed back this year. We appear to be headed into the right direction in this pandemic. And so I would hope that things would be close to back to normal next season as teams get ready for the year. Okay. Uh, a couple of coaching changes in the NHL, by the way. Arizona has bid farewell to Rick Tockett after four seasons. Columbus to the always entertaining John Tortorella on the bench after six seasons. And congratulations to Kevin Corrigan, the Notre Dame lacrosse team. They are in the NCAA tournament. They will open up against the Drexel Dragons this Saturday. 16 teams in the NCAA lacrosse tournament. The Irish are the number six seed. So I don't think anybody's expecting a championship party at ND this year, but they have played well against the Dukes and the Marylands and the and the big-time teams on the college scene so that they're capable of pulling off an upset if they can get past Drexel in round one. How would baseball do for Notre Dame? Baseball lost two out of three over the weekend. First time that they've lost an ACC series in the Link-Jarrett era. So losing two out of three to Florida State drops the Irish to fourth in this week's Baseball America rankings behind the SEC triumvirate of Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Notre Dame's still certainly in line to host an NCAA regional. I didn't know Vanderbilt had a good baseball team. Vanderbilt has a very good baseball team. Their head coach, Tim Corbin, um, is good friends with Clark Lee, who was the former Notre Dame defensive coordinator and now is the head coach at Vanderbilt. And Clark Lee, in trying to learn more about coaching and relating to players, looks at Tim Corbin, their head coach, national championship coach, as a mentor. Okay. So, and that is the story on the college scene. As for the high school scene, big day today, Corey, on the high school diamonds in the Northern Indiana Conference. The league leaders in both baseball and softball will be going at each other. So, it's St. Joe and Penn, Glenn and New Prairie in baseball. New Prairie, St. Joe, and Penn all tied with one loss in the conference. Glenn has two losses. So it's kind of a nice little head-to-head between the top four right there. Where's Glenn at? Uh, Walkerton. Oh, okay. That's where Ken, our video guy, went to school. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're having a great year. They're 15-3, and three, I believe. Meanwhile, in softball, there's two teams who are still undefeated in the Northern Indiana Conference, Penn and St. Joe, and they will go head-to-head today. Where at? I believe that game is at St. Joe. Okay. Which they play up at St. Pat's Park, I believe, on the north side of South Bend. All right. So we'll have updates on that come 
on the Wednesday Act. Or maybe on your Twitter. Well, definitely updates on the 46 Sports Twitter mm-hmm. account. When you can't wait for Wednesday's episode, you can get it a little quicker with the Twitter. Doesn't quite rhyme, but a good it, try. I, it's, a, it's got a sing-song quality to it. Yes. Time for a little edition of Overrated, Underrated. Let's go. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Men at Work. Man, I loved me some Men at Work. Saved up my allowance to buy their cassettes. First, second album. Who can it be now? Well, let's go with my formula. Five hits. Who can it be now? Down Under. Be Good Johnny. Overkill. Oh, it needs one more. You need one more. Um. Ooh, do I got to look this one up? They've got to have more than just four hits. I would think so. Those first two albums they put out were pretty big. HBO, when we first got HBO as a man family, uh, they had a Men at Work concert that they played to death. And I had that thing memorized. Uh, it's a mistake. So there's oh, your yeah. five. There you go. Who can it be now? Down Under, Overkill, It's a Mistake, uh, Be Good Johnny. I would say underrated. I would say some people look at Men at Work as like, ah, one hit wonder in the 80s. Well, I just mentioned five. Colin Hayes still has a pretty decent career with a uh, a lot of people. Was a big um, part of a success for the TV show Scrubs with their theme song. And he oh, also okay. showed up on that show a lot. Um, does a lot of uh, writing for other people. I'm going to say underrated. See, you have taken me with your little description at the end there from overrated to down the middle. Okay. I would have said overrated because the length of their career not very not very big. Right? But you've made me see that they do have some influence uh later in their career than I thought. Yeah, that 81 business as usual and then 83 cargo, those those were massive records. Yes. And then they fizzled, but um still some longevity. I could listen to Men at Work right now if you made me. Oh, I wouldn't make you. You would do it on your own because mm-hmm. you enjoy them. I can neither confirm nor deny that there is a home video somewhere in Waterville, Michigan, in an archive of me singing along, lip-syncing to Who Can It Be Now with an amazing saxophone solo, but instead I used a baseball bat because I didn't have the saxophone itself, and I I nailed it. Did you? Oh, I did. And why is this in Waterville? Uh, that's where my father has chosen to live. Oh, okay. And he right. kept those I in gotcha. his person. Let me give you another name. This one from the Country Music Archives. Okay. Mr. Kenny Chesney. I had no idea how big of a deal he was until I went to see him in concert. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium the first time, mm-hmm. Soldier Field the second. Sold out both times. If you can sell out Soldier Field... And um, I have a friend who's in a small group with a friend who's Kenny's drummer. Oh. So both of those shows, we had uh, artist access and just seeing the magnitude of he's a he's um, he is a beloved country artist and he can put on a show with the best of them. I'm going to go down the middle for Kenny Chesney. I will go a little bit underrated because as you mentioned his performing skills and i think if you take a look at kenny chesney and the length of his career yes that he's kind of he's kind of come up from the hard scrabble route where he was just kind of a performer to hitting it big 
and kind of finding his niche with these onstage shows. I think the more you see him on stage, the more you want to see him. Here's some of the math. He's recorded more than 20 albums, produced more than 40 top 10 songs. My goodness. 32 of those 40 have gone number one. Uh, The most successful crossover country artist, 30 million albums sold worldwide. To say that he's more successful than Garth in crossover Mm -hmm. or Dolly or Carrie Underwood, that's saying a lot. Now, granted, Carrie Underwood hasn't had the length of the career yet, but... He's also had multiple tours that have been the highest-grossing country tours of that year. The thing about country music fans is they are amazingly loyal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Amazingly loyal. I remember going to the Garth show at Notre Dame Stadium, and, I mean, there were people there that it's just... If Garth's on tour somewhere, they're going. And it doesn't matter where they have to go. Well, it helped that a superstar like that took a decade off. Decade right. plus. But who, I mean, Springsteen has his loyalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think of, I mean, it takes a special artist to appeal to people like that. I would agree. And that's why I give Ch- Kenny Chesney his props. 53 years old from Knoxville, Tennessee. Or as I almost called him, Chenny Chesney. Was it on the tip of the list? <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, just some numbers. American Kids, his second most streamed song, 157 million streams. Man. Uh, get Along. Even at 40 cents, a, 40 cents a hundred thousand, that'll get you some money. Get Along, 135 million streams. All the Pretty Girls, 103 million streams. No need for the telethon for him. Either. There will not be. He and Rory McIlroy. No we telethons. Have declared no telethons. None whatsoever. Now, you are on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. Me too. At my name is Corey. The Sports Yak is on there as well. Sports Yak with two Ks. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Oscar Robertson. Ooh, you're the big O. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.